Welcome to the Possibility of Today radio show. This weekly series mixes entertainment with inspiration and information to help you learn how to live in a different way and take advantage of all the possibilities of today. Do you want to find the way to your something more and live life to the fullest? Then you're in the right place. Host Sybil Chavis will guide you through an exciting journey of self-discovery and transformation so you can be entertained, be inspired, and be informed. Now, here's Sybil. Hey, how are you? How was the week? Thank you so much for tuning in today. We are going to be discussing a lot of topics, a lot going on in the news. But first, I wanted to ask you a question. Do you know anyone that lies? For whatever reason, someone that just doesn't seem to tell the truth from time to time. Well, if you do, it's because lying has turned almost into an epidemic. It seems that so many people are resorting to stretching the truth regularly. Pamela Mayer is an author and she has written this really fascinating book called Lie Spotting and consequently has done a lot of research. And you want to hear something interesting? Most likely today, if you have come into contact with anyone or had a discussion or exchanged emails, chances are that someone has either lied or stretched the truth or said something that is not 100% accurate to you. Listen to what Pamela Mayer shared. On a given day, studies show that you may be lied to anywhere from 10 to 200 times. Now, granted, many of those are white lies. But in another study, it showed that strangers lied three times within the first 10 minutes of meeting each other. Those numbers are staggering, aren't they? When I first heard them, I was just kind of floored because it's not something you regularly think about, you know, how pervasive is lying. And most of the time we're focused on the stories that the media is, of course, picking up on the big stories, the actors, the celebrities, the professional athletes that have done one thing or done another and gotten caught in the lies. Like Lance Armstrong's a, an example recently that was in the news. You probably remember Lance started off adamantly denying that he had ever taken any kind of performance-enhancing drugs. Back to 1995, one of your former teammates, Stephen Swart, uh, he was riding with you as a Kiwi uh, on the Motorola team. He has told ESPN on the record and on camera that back in 95, when the team was struggling, that you announced to the team that you were going to begin doping and you were encouraging other teammates to do the same. What do you say to that account? Now, again, complete nonsense. So you heard Lance Armstrong there saying that the allegations were complete nonsense. And, of course, as I'm sure you've heard, the story has now changed completely. And he recently went on the record with Oprah and admitted it. In all seven of your Tour de France victories, did you ever take banned substances or blood dope? Yes. So now Lance has admitted that he was lying. But interestingly enough, Lance isn't the only one who's recently been in the news 
about a huge controversial lie. I'm sure you've probably also heard this story of Manti Teo. He is the NFL football player who was the victim of a hoax relationship with a girl online and assumes that she actually exists, but it's all been made up. And then the person who has essentially invented this story convinces Manti Teo that his fake girlfriend has died. The media learns about this story and essentially Manti Teo is, you know, made into this hero because despite everything that's happening in his life, he helps his Notre Dame football team still have a really strong, successful winning year. And eventually Manti Teo finds out that this is all a hoax, but chooses to not reveal that to the media. Or as Katie Couric said when she was pressing him in a recent interview, he decided to stick to the story. You were interviewed and you repeated the story that your girlfriend had in fact died of cancer. Mm -hmm. Let's listen. I mean, I don't like cancer at all. You know, cancer, I lost both my grandparents and my girlfriend had cancer. You stuck to the script that something was mm -hmm. amiss, Manti. Correct. That's a lie. Why would you say that? Well, anybody who puts yourself in my situation. Katie, put yourself in my situation. I, my whole world told me that she died on September 12th. Everybody knew that. This girl who I committed myself to died on September 12th. Now I get a phone call on December 6th saying that she's alive, and then I'm going to be put on national TV two days later, and they ask me about the same question. You know, what would you do? What do you think you would do? I mean, I think it's a fair question, and the reality is that a lot of us would not lie. A lot of us would not choose to continue this cover-up or this hoax and choose to mislead people. But I bet you that you know at least one person or maybe even more than one person that would do exactly what Manti Teo did and lie and continue this extravagant cover-up. And it's just so interesting to me because, you know, we see these stories, the Lance Armstrong stories, the Manti Teo stories. And of course, these are the extreme examples of lying, right? The, the ones that are always in the media because they're just so out there. And you're like, how could someone get to the point where they would continue to lie and lie and lie? But then when you kind of step back and look at it, you realize, yeah, the, they're wrong for lying, but there are so many other people, right, that I'm sure you've come across that just do not tell the truth. As Pamela Mayer has explained it, lying, in a sense, has almost become ingrained in our culture, and it's pervasive, 
and you just see it no matter if you're in the work environment or you're a celebrity or you're a politician or even in your own home or with your own friends. Lying has essentially become an epidemic. I mean, do you agree with that? Listen to what Pamela Mayer said during a TED conference. We can't believe how prevalent lying is. We're essentially against lying. But if you look more closely, the plot actually thickens. We lie more to strangers than we lie to coworkers. Extroverts lie more than introverts. Men lie eight times more about themselves than they do other people. Women lie more to protect other people. If you're in an average married couple, you're going to lie to your spouse in one out of every 10 interactions. Now, you may think that's bad. If you're unmarried, that number drops to three. So interesting, right? Because it really is just so true that lying happens all around us. And of course, a lot of our attention is on these huge cases, these things that we see all the time, the Lance Armstrongs, the Manti Teos of the world who have these elaborate stories that the media spends a lot of time on. And those instances need to be looked at, right? Like, clearly, we don't want mistruths, misleading information, deception, or cover-ups happening. But the reality is, is when you step back and look at it, you can't really stop at the one instance or the one-off that's just extreme because in essence, you're almost missing the bigger picture, right? And the bigger picture is, is that we really do have this issue with people lying or not telling the truth. Listen to what Pamela Mayer also shared at the TED conference about lying being ingrained in our culture. Lying's complex. It's woven into the fabric of our daily and our business lives. We're deeply ambivalent about the truth. We parse it out on an as-needed basis, sometimes for very, very good reasons, and other times just because we don't understand the gaps in our lives. That's truth number two about lying. We're against lying but we're covertly for it in ways that our society has sanctioned for centuries and centuries and centuries. It's as old as breathing. It's part of our culture. It's part of our history. Isn't that just so interesting? And, you know, there's so much research that basically backs all of this up. In fact, according to the magazine realsimple.com, when it comes to avoiding trouble, saving face in front of the boss, not admitting mistakes, or sparing someone's feelings. Many people will lie. In fact, 80% of women admit to occasionally telling what they consider harmless half-truths, and 75% of men admit to lying. And the reality is, is that the majority of these people are not trying to be malicious or intentionally lying. It just happens for whatever reason. They stretch the truth a little or they're trying to make people feel better. That's how they kind of fall into this trap of lying. Now, clearly there also are people who are just intentionally lying. But I tend to believe of that 80% 
or that 75% number, there are a, a large majority of people who really are trying to do the right thing, but just somehow one way or another get caught up in stretching the truth a little. Myself, honestly, included too. There are definitely times that I know I will tell a little white lie or stretch the truth. I mean, in like the women in the study, the majority of time I'm doing it, it's because I just don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or make them feel bad. But the reality is, is that there's always, you know, a consequence of not being honest and you want to be as honest as possible. So I want to be part of the solution, which is why I thought this book was so interesting by Pamela Mayer called Lie Spotting. And essentially, Pamela Mayer is giving suggestions and tools for how we can fix this lying epidemic or lower the number of lies that are just told on an everyday basis. And I think she makes a good point. We just want to elevate the level of truth, right? I'm sure you would agree with that. It would be much better for us to have a society and a culture where truth was just ingrained and just a natural thing that we did rather than the lying. And I believe, again, that that is the intention of the majority of people. And it raises two really interesting questions. The first one we'll get into a little later, but it's why do people lie? I know that's a question I've asked myself tons of times, especially when people have lied to me. It's like, why would they lie about that? So we're going to talk about that question. But first, let's get into what Pamela Mayer talks about in terms of how you spot when someone isn't telling you the truth. Because there are specific things that we can be doing and looking for and knowing, okay, this person isn't telling us the truth. And they're right on the spot, just kind of elevating the conversation so that ideally people become just more comfortable about being truthful and being honest. And that in and of itself will just make certain that we're communicating back and forth and talking about things that are true instead of having all of these layered mistruths in that just basically convolute all the conversations and make things so much more challenging than they have to be. And one of the interesting things that Pamela Mayer shared in her book was about looking at attitude. Attitude is by far the most overlooked but telling of indicators. An honest person is going to be cooperative. They're going to show they're on your side. They're going to be enthusiastic. They're going to be willing and helpful in getting you to the truth. They're going to be willing to brainstorm, name suspects, provide details. They're going to say, hey, maybe it was those guys in payroll that forged those checks. They're going to be infuriated if they sense they're wrongly accused throughout the entire course of the interview, not just in flashes. They'll be infuriated throughout the entire course of the interview. And if you ask someone honest, what should happen to whoever did forge those checks? An honest person is much more likely to recommend strict rather than lenient punishment. Now let's say you're having that exact same conversation with someone deceptive. That person may be withdrawn, look down, lower their voice, pause, be kind of herky-jerky. 
Ask a deceptive person to tell their story, they're going to pepper it with way too much detail in all kinds of irrelevant places. And then they're going to tell their story in strict chronological order. And what a trained interrogator does is they come in and in very subtle ways, in, over the course of several hours, they will ask that person to tell their story backwards. And then they'll watch them squirm and track which questions produce the highest volume of deceptive tells. Why do they do that? Well, we all do the same thing. We rehearse our words, but we rarely rehearse our gestures. So I thought that was really interesting, too, and absolutely so true, because you don't really think about your gestures. They come natural. And once you kind of start looking for the right kind of clues, you really can start reading people better. And, you know, you do it not because you just want to call someone out and say, you're lying and, you know, put them on the spot. But because if we're really interested in elevating the truth threshold, then we just have to start figuring out ways that we can really make certain we're connecting with people when we know that they're not telling us the truth. When we know there's something more to the story, we can then go the next step instead of just letting the lie be the lie. We can go the next step and really start communicating with people about what's really going on. And then in addition to attitude, another really interesting thing that she suggests is throwing out our assumptions in the way that we've always looked at body language because a lot of the things that we were using as cues to figure out if people were telling us the truth are actually not the right cues. Body language, here's what you got to do. You really got to just throw your assumptions out the door. Let the science temper your knowledge a little bit because we think liars fidget all the time. Well, guess what? They're known to freeze their upper bodies when they're lying. We think Liars won't look in the eyes. Well, guess what? They look you in the eyes a little too much just to compensate for that myth. We think warmth and smiles convey honesty, sincerity, but a trained lie spotter can spot a fake smile a mile away. So those are some of the indications and things that we can really start looking at. And that just leaves the second question, the big one. Why? Why are people lying? We'll get into that next. Stick around. Okay, welcome back. You are listening to The Possibility of Today on webtalkradio.net. We have been talking all about lying from... Lance Armstrong to Manti Teo and really kind of just digging into the questions around lying and the bigger questions. And we were just discussing how you can spot when people aren't telling you the truth. And now we are going to talk about why. And to me, that's the biggest question of them all. Like, why do people lie? And I can think of so many occasions when I have had people lie to me and immediately my mind starts running. Like, why, why are they doing this? Why are they saying that? Like, they know, I know that's not true. And you just, you're kind of just floored and you're just, okay, what is the point 
of this, especially, honestly, for me, what makes no sense are the white lies. I mean, if you were trying to cover something up, I think that that's definitely not anything you should do. But when you're just doing the white lies, like that just made no sense to me. So I just thought this was a really interesting question because we all know when you lie, it doesn't make you feel good. You know, it's stress. It takes up precious brain space. I mean, can you imagine for Lance Armstrong how much brain space these lies had to have taken up in his mind because he had to keep everything connected and remember who he told what to. I mean, and the same thing for Manti Teo. You know, when you aren't telling the truth, it's just harder because you have to remember, okay, what did I say then? And what was the cover up there? And who did I tell that to? And that just creates stress. And so we know that that's not something we desire. In fact, there's this study that came out of the University of Notre Dame by Anita Kelly and Lawan Wang. And they got this group of individuals together and divided them into two groups. And they told the groups, okay, every week you have got to come in and have a lie detector test and tell us how many times you lied. Big lies, little lies, it doesn't matter the size. How many times did you not tell the truth the week before? And they told the first group of people, okay, you have to come in and take these tests, but here are some tips on how you can go through this week without lying. You can just say, you know what, I don't really have a good answer to that. Or you can just not respond. Gave them specific things that they could do in those instances where they would be inclined to lie and instead gave them things they could do to tell the truth. So that was group A. And for group B, they gave them no instructions. They just said, hey, go live your life, you know, do what you normally do, try not to lie because you know you've got to come back here the next week and we're going to ask you how many times you lied. So during this study, both groups, group A and group B, lied far less. But the first group, group A, that was given the instructions on how not to lie, of course, they lied way less than group B. And they also had a lot of positive health effects. Like they had less headaches, they had less stress, their relationships were better. And so the assumption, right, is that all of this was because they weren't lying as much as the other group. And it just really drives home the point that we know that lying causes stress. I mean, even if you think about a lie detector test, it's not actually measuring if someone has lied, it's measuring the stress that someone feels and that's what's registering on this lie detector. I read that and I thought it was such a great point in a Life Hacker article by Adam Dacus. And the point is, we know that these habits, the bad habit of lying just is creating stress. So why are people doing it, right? Why continue to do something that you just know isn't working for you? So I was reviewing the research and there are some reasons and theories 
that people have come up with on why people are lying. And in terms of relationships and why people are lying in relationships, the top four reasons are number one, they're cheating. So of course, people are lying because they're covering up the fact that they're cheating. Number two, they are not comfortable revealing the truth about themselves or an aspect of their lives. Number three, they don't want a showdown (laughs) over an issue where speaking their mind or telling the truth is only going to get their partner angry or upset, so they lie. And number four, people are just sometimes apprehensive. They don't feel comfortable revealing certain things about their past or about their thoughts or the things that are running through their heads. And so all four of these are common reasons why people lie in relationships, or at least that's the theory. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And in general, when you're taking a look at why people are lying, the common theories that you hear are, number one, it lets you control the way you're seen by others. In other words, you know, people are consistently concerned about the perception that other people have about them. And so in essence, they will tell people certain things like, oh yeah, I got this job or, oh yeah, I purchased this house or I have this car. They will tell things and stretch the truth so that people will have a better impression of them. Another common why in terms of why people just lie in general is that a lot of times people want to just gain somebody else's respect. And then the third reason is just because similar to relationships, they've made a mistake and they just want to cover it up. So they lie about it. So those are the theories and I can understand why a lot of them are true. I just think another thing that we have to consider is to look at this a little deeper, right? To pull back the hood a little and look underneath because there's a lot of research that talks about the fact that we have essentially like these two sides to ourselves. I've labeled them our ordinary side and our extraordinary side. <laughs> and I'm sure you've probably come across this too. And essentially, you know, our ordinary side is like where our memory is housed and our habits and just the things that we're accustomed to doing. And our extraordinary side, on the other hand, is kind of like that inner voice, if you will, the, the one that reminds us, you know, hey, don't, don't make that decision. Like, that's not a good decision. Or just the one that's kind of leading us and guiding us in the right direction. And what I have noticed, at least for myself, is that sometimes my ordinary side overrides my extraordinary side. And so the interesting dynamic that I'm continually going through is just kind of training myself so that I'm at least taking the time to think about, okay, what does my extraordinary side think that I should do? Like, what's my best decision? And, you know, this came up in my mind the other day because 
particularly when it comes to white lies, like those little lies, the ones that you know you really shouldn't tell, and you're like, okay, why am I doing that? It makes no sense. And, I mean, be honest, have you ever told a white lie? Probably, right? Or at least the majority of us have. In fact, if you have traveled on a plane, you may be really familiar with what I say is a common white lie that people kind of fall into the trap of continually telling or doing. So anyway, imagine this, right? You just landed, you're on an airplane, and you're just coming back from a trip. You've been traveling for about two or three hours, and the flight was delayed, and so you guys took a while to take off, and you just had all of these things that kind of slowed you down, and it's made the plane arrive late. And so you're just tired and you're exhausted, right? And you're sitting there and just taxiing in to the gate. And right before you get to the gate, the flight attendant comes on the microphone and says, you know what, we, we're late. And because of that, a lot of people have some really close connections. So if this is your final destination, would you be so kind as to let those people who have connections deplane first and you just wait until after they've deplaned. Now, we all know that that's what you should do if that's your final destination, right? <laughs> I have never been on a plane ride, and maybe you have, you gotta tell me. I have never been on a plane ride though and seen it actually work. Inevitably, the entire plane deplanes. No one sits in their seat or very few people sit in their seat and let other people deplane. And honestly, I'm one of them. I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh no, you know, I have my two kids. One of my youngest son is a year and a half and it's taken me every last bit of effort to keep him in the seat and contained and not just screaming wildly on the plane. And we finally land. I think I'm home free. And now I'm being asked to stay on the plane longer. I mean, I start justifying it. My ordinary side starts telling me, you know what? The kids need to get home. Just go. It's okay. It's just a little white lie. And like that, I deplane. I take my kids. We get off the plane. And I, of course, stretch the truth that this isn't my final destination. And it just really kind of drives the point home that I know that I should be listening to my extraordinary side there. And I heard it, right? Like saying, you know what? You know what the right thing is to do. I mean, there really are people who have these close connections, but still I got off the plane. And so that's why I've continually been trying to be thoughtful about letting my extraordinary side guide and direct my ordinary side. And when it comes to white lies or just lying in general, I think that this also is what is kind of going on behind the scenes because we easily fall into doing what we've always done. And the ordinary side in us just goes from habit. And it's like, you know what, this is the easiest way, this is the way to do it. And you're not really thinking about it, right? You just kind of do it. Like, think about the last time that you may have told a little bit of a white lie. You didn't plan to tell that lie. 
it wasn't intentional. You weren't like, okay, tomorrow when somebody asks me, hey, is this your final destination? I'm going to be like, no, I have a connecting flight. No, you kind of fall into the trap. And before you know it, one thing leads to the next. You're not really thinking and boom, you've told the white lie. And that's why I make a practice of trying to use what I call the time gap, which literally about three or four seconds that we always have before we think, say, or do anything. And during that time, I really just try to think about, okay, before I make this decision on, am I getting off this plane? What is the best decision? Like, is an extra 10 minutes really going to do anything or delay me too much? And honestly, wouldn't I rather not mislead and pretend that this isn't my final destination? Wouldn't I rather not lie? And that's the dialogue and kind of the conversation with the extraordinary side that we can do. And it helps us break this pattern where the ordinary side by habit just comes in as like, okay, we're getting off the plane. So in addition to all of those reasons, you know, why they're saying people are lying, for me, what's interesting is figuring out, okay, what's really going on a little deeper? And even more importantly, how can I change that? You know, how can I start really tapping into the part of me that wants to tell the truth and how can I consistently do it? And the solution for me has been the extraordinary side. So just wanted to share that. And, you know, if this is something that you want to do, and I think that for the most part, everyone I've ever come into contact with is not in the camp of, I want to lie. I want to mislead lead people. And so it means that you just kind of have to set the goal and, you know, you start today like you always can and use today to really start practicing, okay, how can I just be a little more thoughtful about this decision and not just slip into autopilot? You know, how can I think through what is my best decision before I look up and I've not made my best decision? And just kind of going through that exercise and that routine and adding that to the way that you go about making decisions, you'll see that these things, these good habits will start sticking. And that's what we want, right? The more good habits, the better. So that is the show today, all about lying and why people are lying, and most importantly, how to not be a part of the problem I hope you guys have a really great week. Enjoy your day and remember to live today better than yesterday. To learn more about making a change in your life, visit possibilityoftoday.com. Don't forget to like Sybil's Facebook page by clicking the Facebook icon on her Web Talk Radio profile page. You can also follow her on Twitter using the handle at Sybil Chavis. Thanks for listening this week, and remember to be entertained, be inspired, be informed. Thank you.